customer experience is your brand. All about the interaction that a customers customer are not has just customers that can the be kind of experience you give to people. Customers. That's what they're going. Amazon wants you to buy something. A warranty company wants their contractors. Customer to do experience, you know, it really is how your brand gets projected out in, into the world. Business is not just business; it's very human. Excellent. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of In The Know. This is your host, Todd Stewart. Super honored today to be at the Made Pro offices here in downtown Boston. Uh, I'm here with three very great people. The first one is Madeline Park, the marketing manager here at Made Pro, Melissa Homer, the chief cleaning officer, and Richard Sparaccio, the president of Made Pro. How are you guys doing? Good. We're good. Excellent. Uh, so let's, let's dive right in. Made Pro. What is it? I figured it's best to hear it from you guys. Um, if you can just give give the audience a little description about you and kind of how the business runs. Sure. Well, MadePro is a national, actually international. We have offices in Canada and the United States. Uh, franchise or we specialize in house cleaning and we have 230 independently owned and operated franchise locations. Yeah, this whole episode is going to be all around customer experience. I think it's really interesting for you guys, the way that your, your business model works and customer experience obviously is at, at the forefront. And when we had these initial conversations um, to, to kind of outline the, the podcast episode, customer experience seemed to just really resonate. And you guys have a very unique approach. And I think that's what made you extremely successful uh, over the years. And and I, I just want to start off, I, I read this quote the other day, I thought it was very interesting, is that customer experience improvement is a journey, not a destination. And you you never reach the point at which you can sit back and say, wow, you know, my, my customer experience is now perfect. In today's digital age, everything's always evolving very quickly. And so, Richard, I'll, I'll start off with you. Um, do you believe that that statement is true about you really can never sit back and say, my customer experience is, is great? I totally agree with that. Uh, I look at the customer service experience as a live breathing organism and it's always evolving. And since we're selling a service, it's very perception based. So. Uh, we will always be working on our improved customer experience, and I think it's ever evolving. Absolutely. How do you like keep a pulse on making sure that what you're changing from a customer experience standpoint is evolving to meet the needs of what the customers are asking for? In our business, we have the franchisees we support, and then the franchisees are supporting their independently owned businesses and their employees. Uh, we we see the customer service experience as being owned by the franchisees, and we select the best quality franchisees we can find who really get hospitality and get empathy and are able to run a business which has um, a very large staffing component to it. So our business model actually relies heavily on the franchisees to be delivering that customer service experience. So I, th I think it's easy uh, from a small business standpoint is to, to really keep uh, your finger on the pulse for customer experience when it's a small company. And as the company grows, making sure that you are consistently customer centric is sometimes harder. There's more pieces moving. What advice do you have for companies that are, are growing very quickly to continue to maintain that customer mindset? Honestly, invest in the right training technology to invest in the right culture. Um, if you first and foremost focus on bringing in the right employees that take pride in making other people happy, that are themselves people pleasers and uh, customer focused, they're going to keep that culture alive for you no matter how 
broad you grow. Make that your hiring criteria. And then back it up with the right technology that you're putting in place training systems that communicate that same you know, beliefs and culture and procedures to each employee. If you're relying on the game of telephone where everyone, this employee tells that employee, tells that employee, by the time it gets to the third thousand, you know, 3,000th employee, God knows what people are doing out there in the field. But if you invest in the right technologies that right from the mouths of the owners and uh, the uh, founders of the company, they can hear what this company was meant to be set, said to each new employee consistently, then you're sure, no matter how large you grow, that everyone's getting the same message and get, has the same you know, marching orders of how we're going to deliver customer excellence. Mm -hmm. and, and is that something that you guys figured out or did you have that right from the beginning, that, that type of mindset? Um, we, <laughs> what's funny is we figured it out right from the beginning, but technology's finally caught up to what we wanted to do. Uh, we've always been chasing that dream of being able to communicate um, what we want to provide as a service down to each individual cleaner out in the field, but the technology wasn't there. But luckily in the past you know, five, 10 years, um, the digital age is, you know, has dramatically changed everything, including employee training. So now we're able to build you know, online learning management systems and things of that nature where we can take what we've always wanted to make sure was, you know, detailed, explained deep learning to each employee mm -hmm. and actually deliver it across the country affordably, which you know, didn't exist before. So it's been a fun journey to finally be able to do the things we dreamed about 10 years ago. From a training the employee standpoint, what, what technology are you using? If somebody's listening like, oh yeah, that, that'd be interesting to um, you know, improve my employee training, what are you guys leveraging? Uh, currently, we are using um, what's uh, called a learning management system, which is a uh, I forgive all the acronyms are about to fly, but SCORM-based courses. So it's online learning management systems that are a cloud-based platform where you have these uh, courses, uh, the software we use is Articulate. Um, and it makes basically YouTube on steroids. You make these little videos and they're interactive so that they're asking you questions and you're answering back. And the system is keeping track of your scores and pumping out how long you watched it for, what you got right and wrong and that kind of thing. So that... Um, any employee from anywhere can log in and be able to watch the same content, hear the same narration, see the same videos, and hopefully gain the same knowledge. Yeah. Do you, do you make it a requirement or is it something that you just say, hey, there's resources for everybody? Um, like, how, how do you improve compliance, I guess, in that sense? <laughs> uh, compliance is, an, uh, is a fascinating issue in franchising we could talk all day about, but uh, the reality is you have to make the product good enough that everyone wants to do it on their own anyway. Mm. You know, certainly you can go behind everybody with a franchise agreement going, you should do this, but no one's, that's not the way to run a franchise. Ideally, you've provided them with amazing tools. They go, wow, I want that. And um, so our compliance with this tool has actually been very, very high because they all saw the same thing, which is, oh my gosh, I don't have to say the same thing over and over and over to every new employee forever anymore cool and it's gonna get said the right way each time by someone in a good mood as opposed to me who needs a second cup of coffee this morning um and so they bought right in real fast and uh it helped a lot so you also made it bilingual too yes. you have it in spanish and english which has been really helpful on the employee front absolutely we have um uh vapor franchises across the country now where the owners and senior management you know are not bilingual themselves but have a significant bilingual population in their staff because we created the support tools that allow them to fully and deeply educate employees that they can't necessarily communicate to in primary language. So it helps. Having multiple franchisees, how do you, besides that, how do you um, make sure that they uphold your brand standard? Honestly, it's no one silver bullet. 
there's a lot of pieces that go into holding up the brand standard. It starts from recruiting the right franchisees in the first place that get it, that provide the culture you want to provide, that you know uh, love the brand and what you're trying to achieve. It comes from having quality coaching that's regularly checking in with them, making sure they're doing things the right way, helping them grow their business, helping them see from an independent standpoint, hey, are you really doing the thing you said you were going to do or you're kind of you know, barely following the letter of the law and there's no real heart behind it? And they're you know, coaching on that part too. And then there's the software and systems where we can pull reports across the country and see what are, do your customer feedbacks look like? What is your rating in terms of customer satisfaction? You tell me you're doing all this stuff, but your rating is a 7.5, not an 8.9 like your neighbor. What's going on? And you know, it, there's a lot of pieces that come into play to helping everyone meet that brand standard as close as possible. Other than the net promoter scores, as Melissa mentioned, there's also the fact that we we really put an enormous amount of emphasis on on consumer reviews and building those reviews. So we do live in a day and age where anything that happens is very transparent and public, particularly if the client wants to put their perspective into a public review. So we, right from the beginning, train and teach our franchises the importance of powerful reviews and positive reviews and making sure we have uh, a full uh, awareness of how everything lands for our clients and our employees. The biggest thing that I've learned, and and this is me speaking from the marketing standpoint, is that um, you obviously have your fundamentals, but you you have to expect that everyone's going to um, learn them and incorporate them in their business in their own way. Um, So definitely being ready to provide that flexibility um, but making sure that, you know, they have that base fundamentals where they can, they have wiggle room, but, um, they know what to expect and can kind of, you know, make it their own. I've asked every company that I've interviewed this question and, and the, the answers have been slightly different. So I, so I do think that this is really interesting, but who at MadePro is responsible for customer experience? Is it one person that you say this person's individual or this department, or is it pretty much a company-wide initiative? I think any other company that said it's anything other than everyone wasn't aware of their own business, quite frankly. And I'm going to be smart out like that way. Um, everyone's responsible for the customer experience. If you're in IT, you're responsible for the customer experience. If you're on the phones in the help desk helping franchisees learn how to use their software, you're responsible for the customer experience, even if you never speak to the end customer. Because if that person speaking to the end customer doesn't know how to use their software right, that customer is having a lousy experience on the phone. Everyone touches customer experience. I don't care if you're the janitor. You put everyone on the phones in a good mood by making the place clean. Everyone touches the customer experience. And there is no other right answer, I'm sorry. So speaking with uh, a guy named Luke Williams, he's head of customer experience at Qualtrics, the survey company. And he was talking about the customer experience gap, about how companies face this, this problem of where they think their experience is up here, and they ask their customers and they say, no, actually that, that company is serving right here. But a co- the, the original, the company, they do not see that disconnect. Or they do not see that, that imbalance between the two. And the successful companies are the ones that can actually tr- set expectations right up front to say, oh, our customer experience is actually kind of poor, like Ikea. And people go in and they know their experience is going to be poor, but yet they're very brand loyal to that and they love IKEA, even though they know that the experience is pretty pretty bad. In that example, there's no gap. 
that that gap is pretty consistent um, and, and is, is, is very close. How do you make sure that you're setting the expectations so that they know what to expect when interacting with you guys? Wonderful question. Uh, it's actually something we coach our franchisees heavily on because it, it controls the success with that customer. Um, we call it our customer orientation or welcome conversation um, with copious documentation because it's the most important 10 minutes you're going to have that client for the next five years that they're with you. Uh, where we lay out very clearly to get the most out of your Maypro experience, we need to have a really frank and honest conversation right now where I explain to you what we can do awesome, what we can't do, and how you can tell us what you need and how to be honest with us so we can give you what you need and keep you happy for the next five years. And there's a whole list of questions we ask because it's house cleaning, so we have some logistical things we have to get through. But the most important piece of it is uh, something that we lovingly call weathering the customer, and that's helping them understand it's going to take us a good three cleans to get to know you, your personal tastes and preferences, and what makes the house feel clean to you. We're offering a very subjective, aesthetic-based service. So figuring out what's in your head takes time, and that only works if during that time frame, you're open to being honest and authentic with us about what you loved, what you kind of liked, what just annoyed you. Um, people think feedback is, oh, I have to wait till something really angers me and I have to give you feedback about something being wrong. But actually, long-term customer satisfaction comes from feeling comfortable and safe enough with the business to say, this little thing annoyed me. And being having that level of trust um, and knowing that you're going to hear it on the other end with no defensiveness, no, oh, I can't believe they said that. No, we didn't do that. You know, uh, taking it in and modifying what we do the next time to get it right. If we have that trust, we build that relationship in that 10 minute conversation, we're good to go. We can service you for the next five years plus and you're thrilled every time because you're telling me honestly, hey, this looked great, but blah, 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 blah. And we nail it and fix it the next time. But if you don't trust the person knows what they're doing, if you don't trust they're going to stand behind their product, if you feel awkward or embarrassed about sharing your truth, then that's not gonna happen. Eventually they just leave to another company because they think they can't get their needs addressed. How, how do you build that trust very quickly? Humor. Um, uh, my rule as I train on this with every franchisee is get them to laugh at least three times before you get off that phone or you're done. They mm. have to feel like they can be a peer with you, be honest with you, you're an approachable person that I can be honest and say, hey, the way you did that doesn't look good to me. And I don't, and I feel safe and comfortable enough to tell you that and I'm not gonna get attacked. Yeah. Um, and um, so get them to laugh three times at least. Hmm, um, and, like and, and then you're in good shape. Um, and explain that this is a human service. You know, there's, in our world, you know, the Jetsons lied. There is no robot made yet. Um, so we're gonna have to figure this out and figure out with you what feels clean to you. And it's gonna take her a little time to figure out how to do it, because again, no robot made. Um, and again, these sort of lines, get them to chuckle a little bit and take the fear out of it. And oh, these are real people I can talk to and they're not gonna be mad at me when I tell them I have this pet peeve about hair in the bathroom floor. Because if I bring it up and I laugh about it with you, then you don't feel weird about saying it the next time. Yeah. And that keeps That's that so relationship true. going. That is so true. And I think that can be applied to not just your specific industry, but all around, just human, human relationships 101. What, what customer experience challenges have you faced over the years? Uh, well, to add what Melissa said, a lot of what we do to, to shorten that gap is to make sure we're managing expectations. So um, there's a art in, let's say, onboarding a new 
customer of MadePro in building that trust, in bringing some humor to the conversation and requesting them to be good at communicating, which pulling them, pulling them out of their uh, passive aggressiveness. So they're actually going to be able to communicate with what they're experiencing with the house cleaning. And actually, like Mel said, weathering them so that you actually can over deliver, like lower their expectations. It's going to take a few cleanings to get it just how you want it. It's a process. I think um, explaining and setting expectations for a very intangible service in which has parameters or certain things that we are limited in what we're experts at executing. So uh, there's a lot of communication at, at, at basically onboarding that customer so that we can minimize and mitigate any type of, uh, any type of uh, let's say, uh, misses that might happen in the customer's home. Um, so that's, that's how we do it. Now in the digital age, people find that they can usually get their way if they blast people on social media. We've had a couple instances of that, whether it's, um, you know, fault of ours or, you know, the client just being a client. Um, and what we found is being really transparent, even though it's digital, a lot of people don't want to talk to a company. They want to talk to a company with a personality. So, you know, when that happens, it is a challenge at first to see, you know, your name being splashed across Twitter as the worst service in the world. But, you know, if they're going to go public with how bad they think you are, you should go public with how how you want to fix it. So what, you know, we've learned over the past is, you know, addressing it, even if it's good or bad, if it's a good review, we'll address it. We'll say, hey, thanks so much. We're glad that you enjoyed your service. The public can see that we're there. If, you know, they decide that they have a bad review or a complaint, we're right there saying, we're so sorry you had this experience, you know, please message us privately so we can, you know, fix it offline for you. So, you know, the challenge is that people can take their personal platforms as viral as they want and, you know, managing kind of your reputation and standing behind your service digitally too is, is. And I, I do want to reiterate what you mentioned about setting expectations, like right from the beginning in the first three cleans to get to know somebody because people now going back to this, like, digital age, they take out their phone, call an Uber, they expect it to be there in four minutes or less. And if it's anything over, they say, oh, like, you know, that's, I'm not getting value out of this, or they get frustrated. And com or individuals now, they really want fast time to value whenever they have any type of service. And if they don't see that right away, uh, they can churn fairly quickly. And, and I think setting that expectation Letting them know that it does take some time up front is, is reducing that gap to be very, very minimal on that experience gap side uh, that, that I think is, is absolutely flawless. Has, has customer experience, or actually, I, I want to actually dive to the next question uh, following up on that. So not the consumer side, but the, the franchisee side. How, how do you guys? Um, so uh, I see them as... Um, parallel skills because uh, what we learned in onboarding our customers when we first started our original company store about setting expectations, uh, we also use that same skill for setting expectations with our franchisees. So even though we're very excited to bring on great new business partners, we do a really thorough job at communicating and sometimes over communicating what are they getting into and what 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 are they going to expect as business owners? And we have an awarding process to select franchisees that involves lots of different perspectives from people here at the home office. 
So we basically scorecard our franchisees. So we decide whether there's someone that we think have the skill set to succeed. So, um, of course, we want to sell and bring on good, strong new partners, but we almost take a tact of um, telling them what could go wrong and what they might expect so that they're not surprised on the other end. Uh, I think we do a really good job with that. Um, and I think we learn from setting up expectations with consumers. They learn that skill of, of, of communicating in that onboarding process. I would also add that uh, you speak about parallels. I think one of the things we learned from our consumer experience and that we brought into the franchising side as well is that everyone needs as many ways to communicate with you as possible to get that consistent experience, to get their honest feedback, to get the support they need. Um, over the years, we've tried to add as many layers as we can. You know, we have a help desk, we have the direct coach, we have um, internet documentation, and they have discussion forums, and they have Facebook groups, and they have. And there's, I mean, at any point in day or night, there is not a moment they couldn't reach out to somebody in Maple somewhere and get some sort of something back. Yeah. Um, and so they can decide based on their personal taste and needs, and you know, shy or outgoing, whatever it is they can reach out and get what they need to get the help they need um, right then and there. There's no waiting. You can. There's always something somewhere 24-7 for you to get what you need. Um, and that openness of communication, that multi-layers of communication um, gets you the most authentic interactions um, because people can be themselves when they find the media that works for them. Um, and so you're able to you know, get through whatever customer experience snag it is as a franchisor or a consumer. Um, you know, hey, I don't understand how this works. Well, okay, pick your layer. <laughs> Let's help you. Um, whereas, you know, back in the day, if there was less means, the passive aggressive franchisee or the passive aggressive consumer may have just sat there and stewed because they didn't want to have that live conversation. It was too awkward. But they're less awkward over email or whatever it is. And so there, that as many layers and ways to get to you matters. Have you found a specific channel to be more effective with getting like true, honest feedback? I will give you the glib answer of, I found each one to be the most successful for the right customer. Um, if you are a talker, no other media is going to work than talking on the phone to that office manager. If you're a typer, then nothing else is going to work for you like that discussion forum or email and trying to shove person A onto system B never works. Um, so you've got to kind of be a little bit of everything to everyone to get that support because people are individually wired. Um, and certainly in the digital age, all of our, uh, you know, everyone loves online. I love Messenger and social media and all those things, certainly. Um, and they make things easier than ever. It's great. But there's still being a, base, a population base that needs to talk to you and laugh a couple times before they feel honest enough to type the thing they would never type into that system. So you got to have them all. What, what metrics does customer experience affect for you guys? All of them. All of them. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I saw that question beforehand and I laughed because I was like, sorry, biggest trick question ever. Uh, because it's everyone. It, you know, if the customers are happy and they think you're awesome, they're telling all their friends, which means now your cost per inquiry is going down and your cost per close is going down because people are going to buy if they already think you're good. Um, it, your, your happy customers 
are going to last longer. So your return on investment for marketing dollars is going to change. You can charge them a premium because they're happy. So your bottom line profits are going to you know, um, change. Um, even logistics are impacted by customer happiness. If they're happy enough, they're willing to give you a key in our situation or wait uh, to get serviced in another business's op options. And you can be more efficient about your scheduling. So your revenue bearing app billable hours versus non-billable hours shift if you have really happy customers. Every metric goes back to if they're happy enough, you can do anything. We, uh, as you know, have a coaching model in which our individualized coaches, they actually coach on key ratios or key performance indicators. And we really see things like, you know, the inquiries, the closing percentage, the sales percentage. We see uh, attrition, the rate in which we lose clients. We look at payroll. Um, costing and so forth. And we really, as coaches, focus on the attrition first. Like rather than just stuff more clients into the into the bucket, let's stop losing those clients out the back door by getting attrition and getting quality up. So our whole coaching model is about fixing the product before we try to look for new clients at a faster rate. Um, we make that a high, high priority in our coaching department. Mm. And can you elaborate a little bit more on the coaching? Like what, what exactly does that entail? So as Melissa said, our model uh, has lots of variety in how franchisees can get supported. Uh, at least 50% of the support that franchises get are from other franchisees in the, in the community. But a large responsibility also is within our own home office. And we have specialized coaches like marketing coaches, employment coaches, um, and but we do have a, an entire coaching department uh, with the franchisees assigned an individual here or a team of individuals who they're really their point person who help them through the franchise experience and they help them through the making sure their satisfaction as a franchisee is high and make sure they're they're growing and making money so when someone does join a franchise they're quite surprised that we are so hands-on with as hands-on as they desire um, in making sure that they're getting um, led along the way in a coaching relationship how does that feedback kind of relationship work between the franchisee and, and you guys, the franchisor? What's that that dialogue? What does that look like? I'd say the feedback is continuous. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the main coach is having a very uh, you know deep and personal relationship with that uh, franchisee. They have regular meetings. They gain to know the depth of their business. They're you know, looking at their numbers and, you know, and, and staying with them for the long haul to see how their business is evolving. You know, so there's a continuous feedback in that relationship. But also um, we have so many tools that they're interacting with us on that they're sharing their feedback loud and proud all the time. You know, we have an ideas forum where they can shoot off any cool idea they have about um, the business and everyone can vote on it oh, we should be doing this thing. And then suddenly it racks up 5,000 votes and okay, cool, let's go do this thing. Um, and, or, hey guys, I'd love to do that, but it actually doesn't exist yet, but <laughs> we'll put it on the to-do list when it does, you know? Uh, but that that sort of living, breathing interaction is all over the place. Um, some of the best interactions we're getting from feedback, laughingly enough, is we have a little um, Facebook owners group where all the franchise owners have joined Facebook and now their franchise owners in their pocket. And at any point, in, you know, they're sharing pictures of their office and things they're renovating and all that sort of fun stuff. But they're also saying, hey, how do we do this? I wish this technology did that. You know, and it's yet another way as, again, that convenience of uh, that voters can share feedback on what they want to do better, 
faster, stronger. Hey, I tried to work with this vendor you have suggested for to me, and I had a great experience or not so great experience, and we can act on it. You know, um, it, it that feedback is coming from everywhere, which is great because as long as you act on it, it keeps coming. It's when you when you squelch it that stops. But besides the coaching aspect, what what is a unique customer experience thing that you guys implement to your franchisees? One of the things we pride ourselves on is uh, we offer a very sort of high-end boutique quality cleaning. We train our employees to beautify the customer's house, not just clean it. We want them to come home to feel like they suddenly came to a nice hotel that happened, they happen to live in. You know, right down to the adorably folded toilet paper and the, the you know, the towel swans and all the things that you'd think of on your you know, romantic vacation are now in your home. Um, and you know, representing and beautifying the home back to the customer. So that we try to create that beauty and that excitement about May Pro Cleaning Day and it's something, you know, such a basic hygienic service, but we try to make it fun. Yeah. Um, so we do that on the consumer side, but then on our franchisee side, we take that same novel approach of we want this to be a fun franchisor experience. Um, you know, most people think of the franchisor, doom, 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 you know, here comes the UFDD and things you're supposed to do. And we're instead, we're the Made Pro family. We're gonna have fun with you. We're gonna uh, send you goofy pictures on Facebook of, you know, the things caught in your vacuum, like mini Legos. And like, we laugh together. Um, yeah. We have um, all these um, retreats and uh, local peer groups that we put together, the franchisees across the country, and we encourage them to meet up and they get together and they have a blast because we recruit fun people that love their business and you'd want to work for. Um, and so they're fun to hang out with each other. Um, and so they find themselves getting support from the franchisor in, you know, goofball environments over a beer with people they actually enjoy hanging out with. And it's not, you know, sitting in all these, you know, half circle chairs at a conference room, you know, discussing the franchise. You know, it, we try to make it that made for family spirit that, again, surprises and delights instead of, oh, I just, you know, scrubbed your toilet and let's make it fun. You, you know what really stands out to me with, with that whole thing is I agree, like franchisors, you kind of, you do think that dum-dum-dum mentality, but it everything that I've heard today, it's very human. Everything's very human instead of you're your interacting all the way from the consumer to the franchisee to you guys. It's all a very human experience. Like all, all the way from just having that fun, laughable conversation with the jokes. Um, like that, those are things that nowadays people crave when they interact with businesses, but rarely get. Well, it, I think it's critical that in the digital age, you have to create that foundation of humanity behind it. Cause at least for a little while longer, there's still humans on the other end of the keyboard. Um, and that's the importance of that orientation, that importance of those initial interactions is to remind them, yes, we're going to interact with you over text and over Facebook and over email and whatever else it is that you enjoy. But at the end, the other side is a real live, living, breathing person that's gonna be reading what you send them. And hopefully they're nice and they care about their job and they care about making you happy. And you feel like that whole interaction is a whole lot more personal when you believe there's a nice person on the other end. Yeah. Um, and so the craving that emotional interaction, uh, that human interaction at a digital age, because we're all you know so, so many screens apart from each other now, comes from the way you interact when you do get a chance to have them live, and also the way you write when you do respond to them digitally. So if, like she was uh, saying, but didn't tout herself well enough, um, Maddie and her team do an amazing job of responding online um, for what could be a very cold business interaction of just your know, private message me offline, but it's always with humor and quirk in the sentences in a way that instantly in a couple of 140 characters suddenly 
feels like, oh, I'm talking to a fun, friendly person that's going to take care of me when they get me offline. They're not going to yell at me and tell me, hey, you had this much time for the agreement, blah, blah, blah. They're going to go, oh, gee, that sucks. It's, you know, no one likes coming home and not feeling clean and happy in their own home. How do I fix it? Yeah. And that shift to still feeling like there's nice, warm, fuzzy people on the other end makes makes it work, makes the digital age still feel human. And that extends from our franchise, franchisees and clients. So, you know, clients can do that on Twitter and Facebook and, and but with our franchisors too, if they want to message us on Instagram or even via email for, you know, something they might not have liked that we put on the internet or they have a question, um, kind of being that role model and responding right away and showing them, you know, we're going to fix this. No, don't worry about it. You know, we got it. That helps them also kind of, oh, the home office is doing this. This is, you know, they're very responsive. This is good. This is kind of, you know, an example for what they should do Model as well. Modeling behavior, absolutely. Yeah. So final two questions. The first one, for you guys that you have franchisees and then they have their customers. How do you standardize customer experience across the board? You have a lot of moving parts. What type of tools, what type of advice do you guys, um, can you share for, for other companies out there? Harking back to earlier in our conversation, um, one of the major legs of our ability to sort of make that customer experience consistent is that learning management system that we've invested in. Mm. Um, it allows us to take some 3,000 maids across the country and level them up to the you know, professional level of service that we want to provide. And they're all hearing the same messaging. And again, like you've heard all of our messaging, it's that same fun, quirky, goofy you know, um, training style that sticks with you. Um, and um, it allows us to ensure that you know, 25,000 customers plus across the country all feel like they're the only one because they're getting pampered by that, you know, one of those 3,000 maids that got the same messaging of here's how you make that customer feel special. Um, also behind them is the right support structure. Uh, you know, I mentioned all those uh, online feedback tools and texting and whatever else. What that turns into is that office they work for is able to collect the real feedback of hundreds of customers, sort it all out, and then spit it out that morning to that one employee, here's what your customer had to say, what they need, and I and I weathered them in the beginning to feel comfortable enough to tell you the truth of, hey, they want this done and that done. I'm the nice, awesome manager that delivers it to you in a way that doesn't make you feel dejected. You know, you're like, oh no, I did a bad job. No, instead it's the, oh, the customer wants to personalize it this time by doing this, this, and this. It feels good, I go do it, I knock it out, I get a great review, and I get a tip from the customer because they're thrilled, and I'm happy and I go back and I do it again. And it, you know, magic keeps going. Um, being able to provide that consistent customer experience is a mixture of thorough, consistent training across the system. And where I think there's a lot of fall apart is some person will hear something, oh, I'm sorry, we'll work on that, but it never makes it to the person at go time yeah. that needs to get it done. Um, so having the technology in place, having you know um, robust enough technology and also humans behind the keyboard that are gonna take the time to take that phone call and type in the notes in a useful way the employee can act on. So then next morning when they go out to clean, they got what they need. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, it feels really simple, but when you're dealing with, you know, 25 plus thousand clients and 3,000 maids and, you know, that could be a, a that's a lot yeah. unless it's, you've got the right technology in place to make, you know, 25,000 people feel like they're the only one. Um, all right. Well, awesome. Guys, thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. 
Uh, for everybody listening, if you'd like to get in contact with Made Pro, Maddie, are you the best person? Yep, I'm the best one. Uh, my email is mpark uh, at madepro.com. I'm all over the website. Or if you just want to message us on social media, I'm probably going to be on the other end. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. Um, Excellent. Thanks, everybody. If you want to learn more about customer experience, head over to the Dispatch blog. That is blog.dispatch.me. Remember to subscribe to In The Know on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And if you like this episode, please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, as always, thanks for joining, and we'll see you next episode.